is the Homestead Education Podcast, where we talk all things homesteading and we want to share our passion and experience for this lifestyle with you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's been a long time. I think it's been too long. Um, it's Mandy and Angela with Homestead Education. We are so happy to be back and so happy you're here. Hey, Angela. Hello. How are you? Just so good. How are you? Good. Good. Um, today we're going to talk about cover crops, uh, but we'll, we'll kind of dive into a little bit of mulching and, and things that we can do uh, in our garden if you are not into using cover crops. I think that when we, I don't think that cover crops have been like in the forefront of gardening until most recently, but they've been around for forever. And a lot of people really honestly might be doing some like backwards cover cropping, even if they're not doing it intentionally. But I think for, as like a general statement, people are kind of afraid of it, afraid to like do it wrong or something. They're going to like, mess it up. I don't know if it's it's scary because you're like planting and then I mean we're going to get into it, but I think it's not scary and it's it's incredible for your garden. Yeah, so today we're talking about the cover crops with respect to growing food crops. So there's cover cropping which I practice here at the farm for forage for animals. Today that is not what we're covering. We're covering crops to help with natural soil amendment or um, like adding nutrients by way of growing, you know, legumes and that sort of thing that you wouldn't harvest. The idea with a cover crop is you're not growing it to feed from it in any way. You're leaving it in the soil. You're chopping and dropping. You're mulching it and turning it back in. Cause as that decays, all of the nutrients that are within that plant are then going to degrade and return the nutrients back to the soil. But absolutely. I agree. Myself included, I don't use cover crops in the garden. And it's purely because I have, well, I have some food forests. But in raised beds, there was a grower that I really look up to. And she said, don't do it in a raised bed situation. It's just too much of a pain in the butt to mulch and turn back in by hand. And you run the risk of not getting it all. And then the seeds regerminating and causing yourself an issue. And that stuck with me. So when Mandy brought this up today, I was like, yes, let's definitely talk about this because I haven't dived into the world of cover cropping. Mandy's doing it. I'm all about improving soil health. So maybe maybe Mandy's going to change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. I don't know. And uh, who, whomever you were speaking with, they're not wrong. Um, they're, you know, I guess guidelines that are best followed. Um in order to get like your maximum benefit or in order to work smarter, not harder. I mean, there are um, timelines in which, and this is all going to be zone dependent and things like that. It's going to be a little bit dependent on the cover crop you use, but really as like a blanket statement, they're, they're, they're virtually going to be all the same. I mean, germination is, is usually the same across the board and things like that. I mean, it's going to be based off of again, zone your last frost date, uh, your first frost date in the fall and then your last frost date in the spring. So, um, yeah, I mean, the 
the idea, I'm going to back up a little bit. I mean, the idea behind doing it in your raised beds or if we have raised beds, you could do it in like a garden plot. If, if people are planting in a plot, um, which, which honestly would be easier, right? It would be honest, uh, easier to amend those cover crops back in into the spring because otherwise, you know, you're lifting machinery or something like that into a raised bed, like what we do. But the idea is to feed the soil in like the off season. Like that's just like the, the, the biggest the easiest way to, to define why we do it because otherwise then your soil is kind of like sitting dormant. And then we've talked about it, I think in, in more than one episode, when you amend your soil, it's actually best to do it in bulk in the fall versus the spring, because a lot of the organic material and things like that, that we put back in our plot or a raised bed take months to break down. It's just like your compost pile, right? Some things are going to go faster than others, but as a, again, a general blanket statement, it takes months for everything to, to break down correctly and decompose correctly. So when we cover crop in the fall, you are kind of mulching in a way. Um, I know we, we have notes here and we're going to talk a little bit about mulching versus cover cropping or mulching instead of cover cropping, I should say. But you are feeding the soil when the soil is, is dormant, like I said. So it's, it's easy. It takes no time at all. <laughs> it provides like maximum benefit. But you are right in the timing w- with, who, with whoever you, you spoke with. There is, there is some risk of, you know, and somebody I had talked to, I, I think I mentioned it a little bit on social media, and somebody said that they planted winter rye which is very common cover crop. Clover is common. Winter rye is common. Some people will even do like radishes and things like that. Um, but if you don't, if you don't, you know, chop and drop or get it all in the spring before it goes to seed, sometimes you kind of fight it throughout the spring to, um, or it'll kind of reemerge a little bit, which can be frustrating for some. Cause you know, we, we all battle with weeds enough, but for a, general in general if you get it before it goes to seed you're not going to battle with it too much what i like the idea of is using cover crops for weed suppression which Mm -hmm. we do in the pasture spaces because i obviously don't want a whole bunch of weeds sprouting up in my grazing areas and then the animals eating it right and i know you can do that in your growing spaces there's this amazing resource. We can include it in the show notes. It's called the Rodale Institute. And I reference their cover crop chart constantly. And it kind of talks about different crop cover crops that you can use to achieve certain things. And there are lots of options for weed suppression. And so it's not like, oh, hey, I'm going to interplant this and create this polyculture system and plant my crops among these growing cover crops. The idea is actually that you would plant the weed suppression cover crop now. It would grow. It would get established. There might be some winter dieback. It'll kind of revive itself come spring. And before it, had, it goes to seed head, like Mandy said, you chop it. And you then you sow your spring crops directly into the mulch, into the soil. The reason I like that idea is because if that really works, in theory, as much as I'm, I'm hoping it would, you wouldn't have to add mulch because that mulch is there from the cover crop. And then also you are getting that nutrient benefit simultaneously. So for me, I kind of like that idea. I just haven't done it. 
yeah, I mean, you're getting that and you're also getting your natural, like, like you said, weed suppression, you're, you're mm-hmm. getting that naturally in a way without actually having to physically do it yourself. And when, when you're planting, it's much like the idea behind, um, like no till gardening and things like that, mm-hmm. where folks will heavily, heavily mulch, suppress the weeds and then just kind of peel back the mulch plant. And then, uh, your, mm-hmm. your plants will emerge from that mm-hmm. instead of the weeds. I mean, the idea as a whole behind cover cropping in our gardens is is really, I mean, it, it's multiple things, but it's going to be just soil improvement, nutrient improvement for the you know season after season, right? So we can do so many things in our gardens to aid um, in nutrient uptake, right? Some things mm-hmm. are far more beneficial than others. Some things are far more work than others, um, but it really, and you and I've talked about this in many episodes and just like in our personal life, it all goes back to our soil structure and our soil health. And if you have good soil structure and good soil health, you know, and by that, you know, we're talking about not too loamy, not too silty, not too sandy, all of those things. If you have the appropriate mixture, the appropriate pH and, and whatnot for whatever you're planting, you're just going to be far more successful and mm-hmm. you're going to work far less. And we cover crop for that nutrients, I would say are probably the main thing, water retention. And, and again, they kind of go hand in hand with mulching, right? We talk about mulching and having to water less and things like that. It also helps with feed suppression. Same thing for cover crops. It's going to feed your soil so that in your next growing season, I don't want to say as a statement that you can that you will be watering less, but it helps your plant retain the moisture that's in the soil and uptake those nutrients and uptake that water much better than if you just like let your soil go dormant and sit stagnant and then you tr- and then you're trying to you know com- put compost in your soil in the spring and stuff like that. If you can actually work ahead of what you would normally do you're going to be more successful. I feel like I'm so Mandy and I can see each other when we record these podcasts and the entire time that she's stuck talking, I'm kind of having like a rain man moment, if you will. Cause I'm like staring off in the distance, listening to her, but then my brain is busy calculating. Like what are the advantages of cover crops versus just amending with yeah. compost and whatever in the fall. And I think both would add organic matter, right? So that gives you, that increases your quantity of soil, right? Your, your quantity of growing material. Both would give nutrients. I think if you were able to select a cover crop, you would have maybe a little more control over choosing cover crops that give you specific nutrients, but simultaneously, maybe you could also just add a soil amendment that adds that desired missing nutrient, you know, whatever you're missing out of NPK or whatever. I'm also thinking about over the cold season right now, what I do is I, I amend in the fall, I mulch it and we get a lot of moles and bowls and mice in the garden over the winter months. And so I'm wondering what would that look like if those beds were cover cropped instead, would it be the same? Would it be more? Would it be less? I, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that because I haven't done it. Um, but I, 
I think also what is really interesting is that it kind of is applying to the middle, the great, the, the sort of the median growing zones. Cause if somebody like we have a friend named Katrina and she grows out of Florida in the winter, our winter, that's really when she can grow tomatoes without them just completely giving into heat. Right. Mm-hmm. So people in warm climates, they're not necessarily going to use cover crops this time of year. Maybe they would do some sort of a hot season cover crop. And then I'm thinking, well, I know some growers up in Canada and they're already having their first frosts. It's too late for a cover crop. Mm-hmm. So really they would be cutting into their ideal growing season to try to get cover crops established. So that probably wouldn't work for them. So then I'm thinking who who's eligible for cover crops is what I'm getting at. And I, I think it's median growing zones who have enough time to get their spring and summer harvest and still enough time to get those cover crops established because they really have to have a sound root structure before everything goes to shit because everything's freezing, right? Yeah. yeah, you need about four weeks. So that's kind of how we, we, we will, about three would be like pushing it, four weeks. So we just shoot for, or in our zone, usually our um, our last or our first frost day, they keep mixing those up. I wish it was spring already. Maybe that's what's happening. Um, <laughs> usually our first frost date is around Halloween. So we will just shoot for the first week-ish of October. And then typically our last frost date is, I'm just going to say, because <laughs> somewhere in the month of March. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the very beginning, sometimes it's the very end. So you just have to kind of play with your zones there. But you actually do bring up a good point. Somebody, I mean, and I think that's also some of the um, uh, the reasons. I was looking for like a fancy word, but my brain wouldn't come to it. So I think that's why some people don't want to cover crop because it cuts into their growing season. Or, you know, somebody said, I don't, um, my plants are still producing. I don't want to pull them out. What can I just mulch instead of cover cropping? Absolutely. Sure. Um, and we actually won't cover crop all of our beds. I'm not going to cover crop in the, in the beds that have like garlic that we will plant garlic in. Obviously we will plant garlic and then heavily mulch with like leaves or, you know, whatever you want to mulch with rotting silage or, or whatever it is. Um, but for beds that are going to have nothing in them, mm-hmm. even if like, you're going to cut back your growing season. You have like a busy year next year or something like that. You can cover crop in a bed and instead of having nothing in there for a year, and then that's also going to help feed, feed the soil. But yeah, I don't know. Circling back to, you know, yeah, far North growers or far South, they really, some well, far South really don't have like an off season. Like most of us do, you know, mm-hmm. in middle America, um, and then far north, they have far less time to grow any sort of crop or flower or anything. So most of them are not going to want to cut into their, their growing season. I mean, maybe if you're passionate about cover cropping, you would just, and you live in one of those extreme climates or any climate for that matter, maybe it's just about crop rotation then. Yeah. Maybe it just becomes part of your crop rotation plan. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, so when we talk about like the, when we talk about this and like, does mulching help? Does is cover cropping better? Is mulching better? Last year we cover cropped in mini beds, and then I only would put. We have a lot of oak trees here, given our you know hence our farm name, right? So we have tons of leaves that drop in the fall. Tons. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I 
there's no way we, we get them picked up or anything, you know, rake them, use them, any, you know, whatever. So mm-hmm. we use most of them in the garden or a lot of them in the garden if we can. And they stay. I mean, you can mulch. You want to mulch about like two inches deep at least. So you want to like pack a lot of leaves on there. I will, you know, water them in, things like that. So they stay and they really do. They actually stay. I peeled back. So I compared mulch, like heavily mulched bed versus cover crop bed. And they were both good. Um, I, I, I barely had to really amend either one of them in the spring, but I noticed that the moisture retention, the water retention in this, in the bed that had cover crops was far better than, than the one with no cover crops. So the one with just mold. That's interesting. So maybe it improves just the general tilt and st- soil structure. You know, I think that the, obviously the difference is right. You have a root system. Yeah. Mulch, you have no root system. Right. So it's just kind of like on the surface level. And then you can either like lightly till. And I, I know neither of us till, but you can, you can use your tiller and you can only go like a little bit down and it's not going to like really disrupt a lot of things. If, if that's what you want to do or like broad fork or something like that, the, um, your mulch in. Um, but I mean, there, there was a difference. And it, if, if you think about it too, you have to think about like your winter seasons, right? We've again, and, and many of our episodes have talked about when it comes to like planning out your homestead or your farm, looking at your garden, looking at where you're going to put your animals, all those types of things you need to just like pay attention, right? You watch season after season because you can pay attention to where you get a lot of rain, you get a lot of sun or, or whatever. So you should know for the most part in your climate, in your zone or at your, your place, um, how much moisture you typically get over the winter that also will play a role in your soil, how, how it's going to look in the spring. So if you deal with a lot of, you don't get a lot of snow, it's cold, but you don't get a lot of snow. I personally think that you would benefit far more from cover crops than mulching because you have that root system. You have something that's like constantly feeding your soil versus mulch, typically just going to kind of sit on top of your bed or your plot. If it's dry, it's literally just sitting there. If it's drier with cover crops, you still have that system that's feeding the soil. Does it make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And then that root system not only is doing all of those things, but I think if you're on a hillside, it's going to hold in the soil. It's going to prevent erosion. A cover mulch is not. Roots that are actively living are going to hold in the soil when you're not growing an actual crop in there. So that's an added bonus. That's another reason people cover crop. I know that's why you cover crop in your pastures. It helps with with erosion. It's the same thing. It's the same thing in your garden. It's a little bit like less important in a raised bed type of situation usually, but in a pot situation, it's very important just like it is in your pastures. Okay. So four weeks to get established. So Probably a lot of folks, if they're interested in cover cropping, they, they kind of need to put on the ball here, kind of get going. And I know you said for you and your growing zone, your area, your last date of frost, generally speaking, is going to be sometime in March. So how does that correlate to chopping and dropping the cover crop? 
when, when do you do it before the frost? Yeah, usually. Yeah. You do like it before a, the last frost. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, usually just shoot, we usually will just shoot for like the beginning of March or you think, let's just say, you know, the 25th of March is when it's your last frost date. That, that, that's not when we're like planting out tomatoes or anything like that. And that's actually really early. I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's been into like the 12th, 13th of April. Um, we have a very finicky spring sometimes it seems like, or like our project, our predicted last frost date is not actually true. <laughs> so you have to just kind of watch your, um, your weather patterns and things like that, but really want to count back about two or three weeks before you're going to want to plant anything. Right. So a lot of our cool season crops like cabbage, all of the broccoli, all those things, some of those things we're planting when there's still a few predicted frosts, so you're protecting them with something or, you know, you're trying to get a head start on your growing season. We will, um, you can actually, if, if you don't have a lot of beds or a lot of, a lot of ground to cover, you don't really want to like rip out the root system necessarily. I mean, some is fine. Um, and by all means, I would actually recommend doing something like that in like a corner of one of the beds. So you can actually like see the soil structure far down. You'll see like, holy shit, this actually looks really good. It's like rich soil after doing cover crops. But for the most part, the easiest thing to do, if you can lift a mower, like a push mower, mow it down. Weed whacking is probably actually even easier if you have a weed eater. And you just want to like cut it all the way down to the surface. I mean, you really want to like get it as close as possible, but you're not ripping the roots out. So then you, you essentially like kill it in a way. I mean, you're not actually killing it because you're, the root system is still technically there, but it's not going to continue growing because it, you, it has no, it has no warmth, right? Like the growing part of the crop or the cover crop is over. And this is when people will want to like, Till it in or broad fork it in or something like that. Honestly, all we do usually is with like a hand trowel, like go through. Oh, I'm doing a motion and y'all can't see me, but Angel, <laughs> you like he's just, pretending to dig it in with a trowel. Yeah, I'm, I'm digging your cover crops in with the trowel when you plant. Yeah, so, so it's just part of your planting regimen. It's just kind of like ham and like as if you were just going to stir the top layer of soil. So what cover crops do you grow? Usually just winter rye, um, clover. I probably, some people do in our zone, we'll do cowpeas. Yeah. Those, those, I've never done cowpeas. They, um, in like our, in our master gardener group, some people do. And they said that they like take over, like they're, they're like really kind of difficult or more difficult to manage in the spring. Well, like we said, some people will do radishes. The idea is to whatever, whatever you're using is still going to feed the soil. And a lot of your, the good reputable seed companies, um, like Johnny seeds, they will have like a mixture, right? So you're yeah. not, it's not just one thing. You just search cover crops and. Which is so good. Cause then you're doing, you're adding and taking a whole bunch of different things from the soil and different root jets. So that's right. good. Yeah, like I would say a mixture is probably going to be best. You can make your own mixture if you wanted to, but you can also just buy them. And they're very, I mean, it's not like planting microgreens, but kind of in a way, you're just kind of like spreading it. And you really just like leave it alone. 
I mean, you water it in, you'll see it, you'll see it pop up. And then once, once it starts to freeze, I mean, certainly once it snows, obviously, then that's going to a blanket and that's going to actually insulate your crops. We talked about that with garlic, but you just, there's, there's no maintenance, but it's like a, it's a cash crop. People call cover crops a cash crop because of the benefit to the soil but you're not actually harvesting harvesting anything. So I think this could be incredibly beneficial if you can make sure to get to it before you before it goes to seed. That is the catch. You have to you have to be on top of it. Yeah. If spring is crazy busy and you're not going to get to it, just don't do it this year. Do it try another year. But I think the other thing to sort of add to the rotation of thoughts here as to whether or not you're trying to decide to do cover crops is whether or not any of your livestock or your, or your flock, if you have them is going to have access to your garden Mm -hmm. over the winter months, because a lot of people like to free range their chickens if they have them and let them eat away at scraps and fertilize as they go. If you spend the time, energy and money to plant a cash crop and then turn animals loose, it's, it, well, it's going to, it's going to kill it. Yeah, You know, it's kind of, it's pointless. And so I think there kind of has to be um, an understanding maybe that if you're going to do cover crops, they really do have to be left alone in order to work. That, that means like chicken feet off. Yeah. You just put, you plant them and let it go. And then yeah, by, by spring, I mean, essentially the plant, if you will, like, it completes its like life cycle, right? It's yeah. not going to continue to grow, right? Um, for the most part, I mean, you might have some stragglers and things like that, but you're going to have weeds. So, I mean, mm-hmm. when you think about ripping out your garden in the fall, if you had a bed that you kind of just like let go to hell, right? Mm-hmm. And then you had a bed that was awesome. It's far easier to rip out actual plants with root structures than it is to rip out weeds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in our show notes, we have a whole bunch of information um, Mandy and I put together. And then we also grabbed some information from the Farmer's Almanac because they are obviously a wonderful resource. Um, This is something, if you're going to implement it in your growing space, probably get going on that pretty quickly here. I'm going to put the website that I mentioned to the Rodale Institute because that chart on cover crops and choosing different ones to accomplish different functions, that's very good. do we need to add anything else? No, I mean, just, tr- I mean, if you're, if you're interested, if you mulch, I mean, maybe just try it, just try it in a couple of beds. I mean, like I did last year. I mean, if you do like a comparison, then, then I think for a lot of things that we practice as humans, just like the basic level. And then if you dive a little bit deeper, obviously in like the homesteading community and what we practice as homesteaders, I personally there are so many things that circulate, right? I need to be able to know that this is actually going to produce my effort, my labor, my money. I want to know that it's going to produce something fruitful. Mm-hmm. So just try it. Compare I'm going to try it. Compare it with mulch. Compare it with nothing. Um, I think you'll probably like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, that's my two cents. Well, we'll see. Maybe I'll try. I'm, I think I'm going to get myself a mix. Yes. And I'll try it. And may, I kind of like that idea that you mentioned, maybe this first go around, just doing it in a couple beds so I can have a visual comparison. I could share that. I could share that comparison come spring. I could share it online so people could see the difference, right? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I've got some seed shopping to do. So fun. Uh, we're all going to be seed shopping here soon. I mean, if you think about it, some yeah. winter again. Um, okay. If you have any questions, if any of you all have questions, reach out. We're always here. It's so good to be back. We took a little bit of summer is just like crazy. So we took a little bit of a hiatus, but we're here and um, thank you for listening and we hope you have a good day. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Homestead Education Podcast. Any relevant material will be put in the show notes. We hope you'll share our episodes and also click that subscribe button. For more information about this podcast, you can visit us on Instagram at Homestead Education Podcast. Angela can be found online at axeandroothomestead.com and on Instagram at axeandroothomestead. Mandy can also be found online at thefarmermandy.com and on Instagram at Wild Oak Farms. We'll see you next time.